DJ on a Monday night where we're doing what my favorite thing is, and that's talking about UFOs, paranormal, and Bigfoot. Not necessarily in that order; could be in any order. All right. So, uh, without further any any mess, right there, let's get over to the co-conspirator, my uh, brother in fun, entertaining, interesting UFO talk, and and actually talk about the phenomenon. Money Nathan, how's it going, brother? It's going well. Good to see you. Good to see all of you. Happy Monday, everybody. Uh, love an early like show in the week. You know, like we're kind of knocking it out. It's a good way to start the week. It's like having a healthy breakfast. You know, you just get the show in. Everything else that happens after that is just right. Full of whole grains. I That's love it. it. And our whole grain right here that's got it all going on, who we just found out in a past life may have been involved in some sort of an Asian dynasty. I don't know if it was China. I don't know if it was a Japanese dynasty, but she is at a study of UAPs, one of the co-conspirators in UAP Med, and someone who we're very proud to have as our co-host, uh, Debs. How are you, my dear? I'm excited. You know what today is? It's Halloween Eve. <laughs> <laughs> and look at us doing a Hello. paranormal show on Halloween Eve. Go us. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. We're going to get into somebody who is definitely scared. Uh, There's a very visceral experience. Uh, we're going to get into that here in a second. But uh, before that, we got to get to it. We brought in a special co-host tonight. Uh, this guy right here is my colleague in the aerospace industry. He's a smart, good-looking brother, unlike me. And that's why we bring on, We you know, we want to increase the good-looking people on the show. And so here he is, uh, very interested in UFOs, paranormal, all this kind of stuff. And he is my man, Antoine. What's up, brother? Are you there? Can you hear me? Hey, how's it going, guys? Um, very excited. Uh, glad to be here and thankful for you guys having me. It should be a great show. Brooklyn's own. That's yes. what we're talking about. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, we're excited to have you as well. And it's just like a team's meeting where you go to talk and you forget that you're on mute, right? That, that happens all the time. So <laughs> speaking of weird technical things, I just noticed my camera is doing like an autofocus box. Mine is too. That's really weird. Nathan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or I, you're I've being targeted. That. Yeah. This I'm could be targeted. the NSA. I am on the target pod now. Yeah. So <laughs> it's in, it's in a track wall scan mode right there. Nathan, if you move, it's going to, it's going to follow you. They got you unlocked. So uh, <laughs> resistance is futile. That's it. Um, so Antoine, so a couple of months ago, we interviewed um, the, one of the guys who's known in the Bigfoot community, uh, who is a filmmaker named Doug Highchick. But it's not only that he's a filmmaker, and actually there's a couple of filmmakers in this space, both in UFOs and, and, and now also in Bigfoot, that are extremely knowledgeable on the topic. And in fact, when people see something, when they photograph something, when they want to know if something's real, they'll send it to Doug Hycheck, uh, who, uh, again, he has done, uh, uh, he has done a video for, for Nat Geo. He said he, felt he got some of the best video inside a beaver den that's ever been got. Uh, and while we were interviewing nice. Doug, he told us about a gentleman 
who he had engaged to go up into the woods and to set up cameras in a different way and audio equipment in a different way. Uh, and a lot of them, like 27 cameras, uh, and that he was going to stay for 30 days by himself. Uh, very, very scary proposition in the Minnesota North Woods. And uh, I was like, oh, my God, we got to talk to this guy. Uh, so without further ado on that, let us bring on the Bigfoot investigator from Minnesota. Party people, put your hands together for Adam Colt. Hey, guys, thanks for the intro. That's awesome. Hey, man, it's good to have you on, brother. It's great to be here. Thanks. Yeah, uh, when, when I talked to you, you sounded like you're like 21 years old. Just so <laughs> you really, I swear. I mean, on the inside, I'm 20. I'm 12. I'm 12, actually. Yeah, yes. Actually, oh, wow. We're like the same age. You know, we both could be at the roller rink. Um, so, <laughs> so, Adam, um, first of all, get us into real quick. How did you uh, become aware of Mr. Highcheck and what made you decide to get into the space uh, as an investigator? Um, well, I, I've been into Bigfoot for many, many years. And um, I, I, because I'm into Bigfoot, uh, I do a lot of technology stuff as well. And I was uh, an audio video installer, if you know what that means. So like Doug was working on Monster Quest and his um, editor had just built a new studio and needed it wired up. So I went over to his studio and wired it up for him. And while I was there, they said, you're into Bigfoot, huh? And I'm like, yeah, and you guys do Monster Quest, right? And he goes, yep. And he goes, you got to meet Doug. Doug's awesome. And, and so years later, I actually got to meet him in person. And we've been good friends ever since. So Was there any sort of a discount, like a 10% discount associated with Bigfoot customers? <laughs> you know, if I had, if I'd met Doug directly, yeah. But uh, I was I met his editor, so yeah. Yeah, there should be, you should have a coupon code for your services uh, for there people like that. Uh, so we'll go in a yeah. circular pattern. So next is Money Nathan. Adam, great to have you with us. Uh, you know, I'm always fascinated by the folks that are willing to go out and spend time in the forest, just being out there for long periods of time. Because, uh, I, you know, I like to do a camping trip on a weekend, but I can't necessarily conceive of doing 30 days. So, I mean, how, is that something you've done before? You had that comfort level? I mean, what got you to say yes to that long period of a time? Well, I've done a lot of camping. My wife and I really enjoy booking these um, off-grid cabins. Uh, some of them were built in the 1800s. Like last summer, we stayed in Colorado at Crescent Mining Camp. It's a, mm. a national forest cabin that you can rent. And what people don't know, and I shouldn't say this out loud right now, is they're only 50 bucks a night. Whoa. They're really cheap. <laughs> and you could, and there was three cabins on the property. So we had like my whole, our whole family there. So for 50 bucks a night for all three cabins. Um, yeah, don't, don't give away so, the secret now. Hope you, hope you don't exactly, have lost your spot. Yeah. I, now I can afford two six packs. Like that, <laughs> exactly. that changes the whole game right there. Yeah. So we do all this camping stuff and I, you know, I'm a little overweight and I figured like, you know, I got to do this thing. And I mean, you know, a lot of people on alone, the TV shows and survivor and, you know, a lot of the game shows where they're out in the woods. I'm like, they lose a lot of weight. I'm like, I should try that. The 30, the 30 day deep woods diet. And it was good. I lost 15 pounds. Nice. Uh, I did put 10 pounds back on, of course, when I got back into the civilization, <laughs> but uh, it was this fun, very yeah. John Candy esque. I love the way this is going. Yeah. <laughs> well, what did you learn about yourself in that time? I mean, you've never done that before. So you must have learned something in the process. Yeah. You know, um, it was, 
I learned that I didn't need to be on Facebook 24 seven, which is great. You know, I, I really, I had internet. That was one of the things that I had to have up there because I was streaming all my cameras to the other researchers. So I had to have good internet connection, which I did. Um, but, um, and that was, that was tricky to build, but I did build it. Um, and the point was though, I could have sat down and watched Netflix every night. I could have done Facebook, um, but I didn't, I didn't touch social media once while I was up there. And I think I only watched Netflix once when it was raining really hard outside. I was pretty bored and stuck in the teepee for, for five hours. So nice. Yeah. Love oh, that. I would have been up on that the first night, Debs. <laughs> yeah. With the favorite chips, you know, just yeah, uh... absolutely. <laughs> Go, ahead. Go ahead, my friend. So what got me out there is that um, I have a friend in Minnesota here who has he sees Bigfoot like every other weekend on his property. Uh, and I was trying to get in touch with him to say, hey, listen, I really want to bring the teepee up there. I want to bring my, you know, all my gear up there. And I really want to catch Bigfoot on camera. If you see him that often and you have that active of a property, let me up there. Well, he's a very busy guy and he's like, no, I don't want you up here when I'm not here. And I said, Doug, can you find me another hotspot? And Doug's like, yeah, we just had a sighting last week. We need you to go there. So I just dropped a pin in Google map and I found a, a, a site within a mile of the sighting. Uh, and I, I parked my my all my gear and there's there's a picture of all that gear if you want to i think it's 001 or something like that okay if you want to throw that up there nathan oh, yeah. that just shows you how much second. stuff i brought up let's see and i'm so. while while we're talking i just message we have a friend uh, all of us on the show have a friend named scott Gearin. he's a former air force uh special forces pararescue man he lives in minnesota adjacent a state forest i believe and he showed us some tracks and this winter and we heard some howls that were rather uh disturbing that you know that could end up oh well there we go yeah man, so i up man I, I totally well i knew i was going to be out there for 30 days so yeah I, I there was a lot of weight and that was only the first trailer load the second trailer had the canoe and the teepee on it and uh, uh, I would have brought a complete roast turkey, but I'm, I'm glad that you traveled light, <laughs> my opinion. Yeah. Uh, Debs. Those yeah, are the was... teepee balls right there on the ground. So. A gi- a gi- I heard you had to have help with that. We'll get to that. Go ahead, Debs. Yeah, I was packing to go to the cabin for $50. So <laughs> just, okay, hold on. Hold on, Two I'm back. Packs, okay. No, um, yeah, I was going to ask, um, I had seen that you were interested in doing innovative things when you're researching um, Bigfoot yeah. and kind of like inventing new ways to capture that information. I was wondering if you could share a little bit about the tech that you're using. Yeah, so, so this guy who's got the Bigfoot sightings all the time, he said, I'm putting trail cameras out and there's a problem. And I said, what's the problem? And he goes, every time I go, the batteries are dead. And I'm like, okay, so get better batteries or, you know, whatever. And he's like, no, you don't get it. It's paranormal. It, they just, they get drained really fast. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, I have another problem too, is that the SD cards keep getting corrupted and there's no data on them. And I'm like, oh, all right. Well, if I'm going to come to your property, which I did, and I set up cameras on his property for like six months um, and 
uh, with a wired system. It was, he has wired internet and wired uh, power. But when I was in the woods by myself, it was all battery and generator, which was a little trickier. Um, but anyways, I set up cameras and I, two things I needed. I needed to make sure that they were AC powered so that the, the, the batteries could not be drained. And I wanted to make sure that they had web access so they could record to the cloud as well as the SD cards. That way, if there was corruption, we'd have a backup in the cloud. And if there was power drain, there'd be more power available. So those are the two problems I was really trying to solve. And it led me to the security cam. And so I, instead of using webcam or instead of using webcams or trail cams, I was using security cams and uh, it worked out really, really well. So uh, they're just, and they're the great thing about them is they're 30 bucks. There it's wise W Y Z E. I'll put a plug in for the company. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, when you've got bears literally eating your cameras, we have footage of the bears eating our cameras. You don't want to lose a $500 camera. So losing a $30 camera and getting a bear eating it on camera is awesome. Wow. So I yeah. can't tell you how many people I've heard from. I, I, I'd say a lot of it's third person because I listen to a lot of pods. We've had a limited. We've just kind of this past year gotten into interviewing Bigfoot guests. How many people said my camera was drained? I, I my batteries went dead. I, I heard it uh, on Sasquatch Chronicles like last night. So yep. it, it's that happens all the time. Uh, and I, such, uh, that's just an example of what impressed me about Adam is just his, his approach. He thought about these things and tried to mitigate ways that the creature has outsmarted us. So with that, yeah. let me, let me pass it over to Antoine. So what you guys just said kind of, uh, leads up into my question for you, Adam. Um, can you just chime in a little bit about the elusiveness of this being. I mean, because, you know, a lot of things obviously just happen to go wrong when you're trying to capture it. Um, so just, you know, get into small detail about the elusiveness. Well, you're absolutely right. So being it being located in a hotspot, right, because there was a sighting one week earlier, um, I kind of figured I would have some activity. And the first night, sure enough, we had a rock throw at us. But the first night, we only had five cameras set up. And, of course, we didn't have it pointed in the right direction. So they're being elusive there. Um, and then throughout my entire stay, I had all sorts of – I had a tree snapped in half. We had wood knocks. We, uh, I put bait all around the camp. Um, and all of these things would happen outside the camera range. So, yeah, they were super elusive. And the only time they would come into camp is when the batteries died. Like um, I couldn't run 24 seven. The batteries would go anywhere from six to eight hours that I had. So I usually got most of the night, but there was one night we did a podcast live from the woods and that drained my batteries significantly. So they died around two o'clock. Well, that morning at 5 a.m. I had a Bigfoot breathing on my head, 10 inches from my tent. And it was the scariest thing in the world. And of course, it's not on camera because they died. The cameras died. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, you got to go ahead with your follow up, Antoine. <laughs> Can you imagine your. Yeah. So, I mean, the follow up is, you know, with that being said, you know, with you having it actually breathing once the camera dies. So what what is the first thing that you try to do? in that situation? Well, the first thing is I, I, 
I, it was so surreal. I was like looking at, I'm like, is this really happening? Do, am I really hearing something breathing next to me? And so my first thought was, hold your breath. Confirm that it's not an echo of you breathing. And so I literally just held my breath for like 30 seconds and it kept breathing. And I was like, whoa, this is not me. It's not my imagination. I'm really hearing this. And then it was a, then it was like kind of your life flashing before your eyes. And I'm like, if this thing wanted to kill me, all it would have to do is reach out and squish my head. Like just push the nylon tent together and just squish my head, you know? And I'm just like, this is really scary. Uh, and it's crazy because as investigators, what we should be doing is getting up out of bed, unzipping the tent, getting our camera, like we should have it on the ready and just get out there. But that's when you're in the situation, that's not what you're thinking. You're like, how am I going to live through this? You know? <laughs> so I said, I'm just going to wake up casually. I'm going to yawn. I'm going to make a lot of noise in my sleeping bag. I'm going to roll over on my air mattress a bunch of times. And I'm going to let them know that I'm now awake and I'm going to grab a flashlight and grab my phone. And then, you know, hopefully they'll go away, which they did, you know, or they or them or one. I don't even know how many there were, but there was definitely one. So, uh, but instead of trying to capture them, which, which is what I was out there for, it was all just survival instinct. Like, I don't want to die right now. You know, that, that was my, yeah, my question. Well, I think that's an important thing. Then. Surviving. Yeah, sorry, that's it. You know what? It's paramount. Say, um, Go ahead. Yeah. It, it's, it's really important. And it's like, uh, what you just said, Adam, when you, uh, when you actually are in that situation, all of the training, all of the premeditation you've done it's out the window and it's just you and basic survival skills so your first thing to do is just to pretend like you're asleep and then you know slowly but surely kind of exit and let it know that you're there and the first thing is you know let it know you're not a threat right because yeah it's an apex predator so you wouldn't want it to consider you a threat and then try to get the footage right so can definitely understand once you're once you're in it it's like, okay, survival mode. Exactly. I'm, I'm going to tell you, uh, you guys may have the same question that I had. And I asked Adam this question and I said, because Antoine just used the word premeditation and it's a perfect word for the scenario because in my mind, I'm thinking I'm going to say, I'm going to say something to it. I'm going to say, Hey, you know, Hey man. How's it going? You know, something like that. That's in your mind. But then when you get out there and you fear for your life and you're just frozen with fear, uh, he did probably one of the best things you could do. Cause I've heard of people that would, that would just, I heard of a guy just, he had 45 in his sleeping bag and he's just clutching it to his chest. I've heard a number of people that are just frozen. So Adam actually had probably one of the best responses I, I've heard. Uh, was it was the investigation different from that moment, Adam? First of all, I guess I guess I could ask you what night was that on, and did the tenor of your presence there and your thought process change after that, and how so? Um, good question, really good question. I I wanted to say that I be, I believe in Bigfoot. I'm a been a big believer for a long time, so um, I kind of thought they were there. You know, and especially after I had the rock throw the first night, um, it could have been anything. You know, rock throws are not a great source of evidence, 
do do other animals throw rocks? Probably not, but could it have been a stick? Could it have been a, a heavy pine cone? Maybe, I don't know. You know, I, I didn't find the stone that was thrown the next day. So I'm thinking the whole time that they are there, but after that experience, now I kind of, I know they're there, you know, cause it was a human like breathing. Uh, it was very deep and heavy and it was not like a snout. There was none like a dog or a bear, anything with a snout or sniffing. It was just breathing. It was straight out of a horror movie, straight out of a horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> and so. you, you guys haven't oh. even heard the panoply of, meat that that adam hung up because you're going to be thinking barbecue in an attempt to draw this creature in we haven't even got there yet well that, 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 that's actually what i was gonna that's where i was going next i mean i've heard a lot of people leaving gifts and offerings to try to kind of lure them so tell us about your, your process and what you were planning to do to get them there well i like to have i like to have fun and i've been taunting i've been teasing my kids about going bacon for years and what is bacon? Um, and that was Adam taking a grill into the middle of the woods and cooking bacon for Bigfoot. Because I'm like, bacon smells awesome, right? And you're going to smell it for miles, hopefully. So that's what I did. I brought three pounds of Hormel Black Label bacon up there. And I went out with a camp stove. And I was, I didn't want to do it right next to my tent because I didn't want to bring in bears or wolves or anything like that. So I went a couple hundred yards away and set up a clothesline and cook bacon. And I was on high alert the whole time I was cooking the bacon because I'm like, something is going to come out and attack me because they want this food. But sure enough, I got through cooking all the bacon. I hung them individually from clothespins on a close uh, uh, A440 paracord, you know, and uh, sorry, 440, I think that's the right paracord anyways. Uh, and then I hung up. Close. Yeah, hung up. Uh, Three, no, sorry, six, six raw venison steaks because I'm like, I, I've hung up, I've hung up meat before, but it's always steak, it's always cow. And I'm like, these guys don't know, they don't eat cows as much as they eat deer, right? So I'm going to bring venison. Oh, and that's a hilarious story, too. Me, a non hunter in a non hunting season, I'm like, I don't have venison steaks, right? I go on Craigslist and find a woman with a freezer full of venison and I drive to Wisconsin to go pick up venison steaks. And uh, I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to feed them to my dogs, you know? And she's like, oh yeah, I do that too. I'm like, yeah, it's really for Bigfoot, but no, I'll see you later. You know? <laughs> <laughs> do you see what I love um, about but, Adam? These, these things that he thinks of. Absolutely yeah. incredible. I, so you I hung so, up all this meat and nothing yeah. happened. Nothing at all. Like, so nothing, the, ne not, the next morning, not, all the bacon was still there, everything. Yeah. for I let it hang for a week wow. and there was no raccoons. There was no squirrels. There was no ravens. There was nothing eating that meat. Nothing. That's weird. That is very weird. And the only thing every hunter I've talked to is like, what? It's like, you know, it's late summer. You know, they should mm -hmm. be stocking up for food. Every, everything's hungry. Right. Why are they letting all that food just go? And everyone's just like apex predator, dude. You're sitting in the middle of an apex predator nest and that no one else goes there. Wow. So that's what they Nathan said. and I, we would have ascended that tree and like tried to grab it with our mouth and just rip that crispy bacon. Just... <laughs> I, I ate at least half a pound of bacon while I was cooking it. It was awesome. Absolutely. Amazing. <laughs> I think, I think that a uh, Bigfoot wanted some pepper on that venison. 
There you go. Yeah, and, and I don't know. Your seasoning game could be off. I mean, that's something we should probably talk about, Adam. <laughs> is and that you know, it's it's, but it's something that we can fix. We can cure it. It's like right. one of Deb's patients. This is not a, a bridge too far. So go ahead, Deb. <laughs> yeah, I was um, thinking maybe also you could do like survivor bigfoot style after this like you have yeah. all these really good pro tips for how to survive out there with bigfoot okay so my my question is a little bit um left field um i had seen a documentary where someone was out in the woods and they were a hunter and they had seen sort of um like an invisible shape um, and it really scared them. And this inspires my question of, did you see anything else that just seemed really odd or off to you that doesn't match the usual narrative for Bigfoot? Yeah. Uh, Nathan, why don't you bring up uh, Night Camp 2? And uh, there's a portal in Night Camp 2 video that's really cool. Stand by. All right. So want- it's, the, uh, it's the Night Camp, uh, the 021. I think so. Yeah. My computer's okay. asleep, but uh, it's night camp two. Um, some, I, uh, right, let's see. Is it this one? Yep. Oh that one. Okay. Now look to the right of the screen. Look at how cool that is. That's what I, I was at. That's my campsite. Wow. And then, uh, on the, it, there's different views of it. And when it gets to this third view, you'll see a portal on the right hand side in the sky right there. See it. You can pause it if you want. Oh, let me get back. Yeah. Do you see that thing in the sky? I don't have my glasses on, so I could barely it's, see uh, I could barely yeah, see you guys. Very like um elliptically shaped, like a yep. like a lens artifact in some way. Yeah. Well, we can fr- I, I freaked out about it for about an hour, and then I finally figured out it's it is a crazy lens flare caused by two converging IR lights. So that's wild. Um, so the, so you had IR lights was, in different locations at the site and they are intersecting there that creates that effect in one of the camera. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So we were really excited about a portal for a little while. I'm like, what's going on back there? Um, but to, to answer your question, I did have some other investigators come up for one night and they did have some paranormal stuff happen. Um, one of the guys left the camp uh, and he walked behind the teepee. And he said that he saw the, the canoe uh, pushing itself across the grass like it was on water. And he walked over to it and touched it. I'm like, dude, why would you ever walk over to a canoe that's floating in the grass by itself, you know? Uh, and he, he said when he stopped it from moving, the back end flipped up and there was a dark entity behind it. And I'm just like, I'm just out here to find Bigfoot. I, I don't want to know that there's a dark entity like, you know, 30 feet from my camp right now. So... Um, he was freaked out about it and he did not stay the night. Uh, and yeah, so there was some, there's some other weird stuff happening out there. I have to say, I wonder if what we bring to these investigations could also be a factor like these objects, like the canoe might have something going on with it. Maybe. Yeah. That was a, another Craigslist. I got a free canoe from Craigslist. It was awesome. And, and intention, we'll we'll get into an intention, but first, uh, let me pass it over to Antoine. So, my thing with what we just discussed is talking about, you know, potential portals 
and entities being surrounded around this mystical being, right? So um, that just leaves me to wonder, you know, is this the only thing that is out there or does this being kind of associate itself with other mystical beings that we may not know about? Well, um, I'm going to throw a philosophy. Uh, a whole, uh, this is Adam's theory on Bigfoot for the uh, non-monkey, like, like you know, non-physical creature kind of thing. But um, I'm like, okay, if these Bigfoot are here on Earth and they're running around and we know that they kill deer, we know that they make nests, we know that they, you know, leave this evidence behind are they here, like living here, or are they just visiting here? And a lot of people say there are portals. And uh, my friend up north who sees them all the time guarantees you that they come through portals. And if they portal in and out, I'm like, why do they have to? Are they just on vacation? Are they camping? Are they hunting? What are they doing here? And or are they an endangered species from another planet that are being transplanted by an alien species that has portal technology? I don't know. It really leaves the door wide open. But I tell everyone, if I believe that they can portal in and out when they want to, that means I'll never catch them on camera. And I don't want to I don't want to believe that. I, I know that I want to believe that they're, they're physical beings and that I'm going to be able to catch them on camera someday because that that's what drives me. I was going to throw this to money, Nathan, because I think his philosophy is similar to mine. And now that he's back, I, I will kind of throw it over to him but nathan it, you you hear the flat you hear the crowd that it want to associate and you've dealt with the exact same thing in analyzing uap relative to uh there's a physical craft there's not it's in our mind it's not it's both it's everything you know there's grays there's other types of uh multiple phenomenon they're from here originally they're not from here originally so nathan your take on um, could it be all of these things be true? What is your overall overarching theory here? Yeah, that's a great answer. This is the big question, you know, kind of where does the creature kind of fall in terms of, is it a physical creature like a raccoon that we just mm -hmm. can't find? It's just really good at hiding and we're not good at finding it. Right. It's the, it's the, uh, hide and seek world champion. You've seen that t-shirt and I love that one. Um, so is, is it just that, or is it, is it something extra, something super normal, super, uh, you know, outside the realm of that experience? Um, you know, it's hard to say, I, I really don't know that I have a firm opinion on it. I think coming, coming to your point about, you know, where these things occur, you know, my stance is that all of reality is occurring in the, in our field of perception, right? So you, you can't, uh, no matter what we're doing when we're measuring anything in the world, what you can use any of our scientific instruments, whatever you might, you want to want to pick. If I look at those results, if I look at anything that instrument is doing, it's still happening in my field of perception. So everything that is in reality happens in our fields of perception. There's no way to remove ourselves. In other words, from, from what we are observing, we are in, in a way a part of what it is that we are observing. So we're not yeah. only just the observer, we're also part of that thing, which is being observed. And so in that way, the, you know, the Sasquatch phenomena, the UFO phenomena, I mean, it is all taking place inside of our conscious awareness. It, it is, it's intricately linked with our conscious awareness. Um, 
there is no other way. There is no other kind of uh, objective reality outside of that because all of reality is happening in consciousness, right? So, you know, it makes it a little bit tricky. You know, how, what kind of creature is this? Is it, is it a projection of the mind? You know, is it, is it purely that? Is it something, is it like another entity like you and I are entities? You know, we, we have our own uh, embodied selves or, or we're projecting a, a kind of separate, distinct identity and I recognize you, you recognize me, we have our own agency. Is it like that? Uh, or does it literally kind of reside within your own agency? I mean, it, we all have heard a lot of stories about people who've experienced it with other folks being with them. So it's mm -hmm. not like it's just happening in one person's, you know, right. you know mind, <laughs> mental of activity. Perception. Exactly. So, but what is happening there? I mean, is it is it possible that, uh, you know, maybe all of the people who are in that group have kind of stumbled into some sort of, you know, area like a magnetic anomaly that is affecting in some way, affecting our ability to, to perceive it's changing our ability to perceive things that we normally wouldn't perceive. Right. Because that's a big part of this too. Right. Is it maybe there are things which ex exist that are normally outside of our ability to perceive them, but given the right circumstance, maybe it, our, our kind of mental aperture opens up a little bit wider and we can see these things if, if only for a moment. And, th and that, that's like a glimpse or a reminder that there's a lot happening in reality that we aren't really present to because the reality is constantly being filtered to us by our, by our senses. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I hope that answers your question. It's a, it's to me, it's, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what it ultimately is to be honest. No, I, 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 I can appreciate that. And I would just follow, and so we're going to get back to you, Adam, but I like some of these broad discussions where we can kick these things in around in, in a way where there's no judgment, right? So, right. so Nathan, to, to follow on that, I would say that, is it possible that those individuals are out there that their frame of perception is for the physical Bigfoot, that they've heard it, maybe they've caught a glimpse of it. Uh, so actually, several of them have, even talking about our friends from Finding Bigfoot, but they're unable to uh, at this moment in time or at that moment in time to perceive maybe some other aspects of, of the, the creature that were present. And then another individual goes out there and they have that ability. They are a Priscilla like or a Deb like or a, a, a Sibylla type of person and they can perceive that it, it would. Is that does that fall in line with what you were saying or is that not it? Yeah, no, does I the think person itself. I mean, I think absolutely. I mean, that's an excellent point that you raised because you know, if you, you may have met people and we've met people, you just gave a couple of names who, who have this ability, this sixth sense, we would call it in a way to see aspects of another person that you and I may not normally perceive. And sometimes it's talked about as an aura uh, or uh, sometimes they perceive entities associated with you, which might be sometimes you hear of it being like your spirit relatives or you're, you're energetically attached to things that aren't seen in, in normal physical quote-unquote physical reality right Th these are all things that are certainly possible uh you know what's frustrating is that our like our scientific paradigms just there's no way for us to take scientific instrumentation and really objectively <laughs> measure nail that down because I, I mean that's what we want i mean this is this is the deal right it's 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 really the difficult thing about where we are right now because we live in a time where in order to have proof, I have to be able to use a scientific instrument 
and get it in a laboratory to replicate the phenomena. If I cannot do that, then then according to all of us in consensus reality, it just does not <laughs> exist, right? And so right. this is what we're really struggling with because a lot of these phenomena are happening in ways that are not repeatable. They're not objectively identifiable. And, and, and there's one camp that says, well, there you go, case closed, it doesn't <laughs> exist, right? It just yeah. doesn't exist. And then there's another camp yeah. that says, well, hold on, maybe not, right? Maybe it does exist in a way that that just our instrumentation isn't designed to perceive or, or may never be able to perceive, but it still has a, a real effect. It has an effect on our reality, our shared reality space. You know, so, so Adam talked about, you know, his friend with the canoe experience, you know, it's moving in, in, in the, in the reality space there that they're watching this happen. Right. But, but you can't get that in a laboratory. You know, we'd be looking at, you know, oh, how slick is the grass and is the friction, is the wind blowing the canoe? I mean, all these things that science, a scientific mind would be looking at there. And if you could rule all of those things out, well, what are you left with? You're left with an inexplicable phenomenon we don't know. <laughs> that we can't explain, but it clearly is real and, and happened, right? I mean, take, uh, you know, I don't know if everybody on this show, I think a lot of our, like our folks will know, but the Hestelin lights is a good example of this, right? It's this uh, light display that's in Norway and it's been studied extensively, like, you know, th th but they don't know what it is. It's just, it's a light thing that happens in the sky. It's a plasma-like you know, sort of excited uh, light phenomena, and they've they've looked at looked at it with lots of instrumentation, and they have they just don't know what it is. There's no good explanation for what it is. So, is that an example of something like this? I don't know. I think it's exciting though to you know. This is why I think we need folks like Adam who are willing to get out there and try to get yeah. better information, better evidence, so that we can look at this together. But at the same time, we also need to kind of pair that with people like you're talking about, DJ, who have a sensitivity to things that are not normally perceived and in a way kind of like honor that ability, even though it's difficult for us to do that, right? It's difficult for us to say, I, I, I believe you can see things that I can't see, right? That you sound right. crazy in current <laughs> reality if you say that, but maybe right. there is a middle ground approach that relies sure. on stuff that like Adam's doing and, and stuff that like mediums can do purportedly can do. As we as we head back over to Adam and I and I get into asking him some of the the occurrences, I want to posit the idea that if we've identified people like you know it, in Inquire Anomalous that that uh, in New York City where they're going to have that uh, symposium, uh, Paul Smith, you know one of the most prolific uh, remote viewers in in history, was able to see targets in Russia and specific details about that target that he could not have guessed. So if we accept the idea that there are some humans that have some abilities that we either can't cultivate or for whatever reason we haven't or just haven't been able to one or the other, then isn't it possible that all of these Bigfoot don't necessarily have the same ability? Maybe some of them can leverage certain abilities that they can exercise at their discretion and others do not have that ability and don't. I, well, I'm not saying they do, but it's possible. So Adam, uh, I want to jump in with this. Please. I want to jump in on this ability thing. I can tell you right now that you four guys or late Deb and the three of you have an ability. I don't have. Well, it's not hair. So what is it? No, it, uh, I found out two years ago that I have aphantasia. Have you guys ever heard of that? What is that? Yeah. 
my mind's eye is blank. You guys have a superpower that I don't have. When you close your eyes, you can visualize, let's just say an apple or a horse or, you know, a beach. You can see it in your mind's eye. I've got a black screen and there are some people that go to hyperphantasia where they've got the full, you know, minority report thing going on and they can visualize an apple floating in front of their eyes with their eyes open. So like you said, the, the ability for people to, to see things and to, to process things is extremely different, even in just normal people. So it's crazy because I now I've been talking to people about this aphantasia thing. And I talked to a kid the other day and he's like, yeah, I've got it too. He goes, and I don't even get to see my dreams. I have to listen to the soundtrack of my dreams. And I'm like, oh my, that's so sad. You know, my daughter, it she is. says, I don't, I don't have an inner voice. And I'm mm. like, what? You can't talk to yourself? You don't have an inner voice? She's like, no. So when you realize, just thinking about that, how different we are. Mm. Oh, yeah. There are people with abilities that we don't know about. I guarantee and Bigfoot. it. And, yeah. and Bigfoot. Yeah, Bigfoot might have well, and, and, and DJ, like, uh, just to kind of take your point and Adam, you know, both of your points just excellently made. There's there's a lot about consciousness we don't understand, period. Right. So it's not not even just us and Bigfoot, maybe what we can do or what Bigfoot can do. What about any conscious agent, like any conscious entity in our world? There may be a gamut of the way that it can express itself or understand itself in the world. Maybe there's an octopus that understands itself in a way that other octopi do not. Right. So that, right. you know, we've, we've all kind of gotten really comfortable, like slotting consciousness into these like uh, buckets. You think of like the chart of the animal kingdom, right? This very classical, like here are these different species and everybody's sort of slotted into these categories and they, it's very nice and tidy. It's clearly come up with, it was come up with somebody, you know, who was very uh, OCD. Right. And, and we've taken that and we've confused that for reality itself. This is a phrase that, that, you know, Darren and I like to use. It's confusing the map for the territory. It's looking at a, a map in front of you and going, well, this is what the forest it looks like. It's this map, but it's you're not actually in the forest. So we're, we're, mm. The world that we live in now is predominantly looking at maps, not really looking at the world as it actually is. And we're really good. Like maps are really useful. They help us get from point A to point B and do it reliably. So because of that reliability, we just think, oh, well, they're perfect. They're real. They're, they're better than me using my other, my actual senses, senses. To, to navigate from one place to the other. So I think it's a... It's an important conversation to have, and I hope that we're kind of changing. I mean, these phenomena, in my opinion, help us change the way we look at the world and, and move us away from that kind of uh, that, that very boxy, hyper-organized structure of reality that, that we've created for ourselves. It's like that uh, teacher, Sean, in the movie Good Will Hunting said to Will, he said, you could tell me everything I want to know about the Sistine Chapel, but you don't know what it smells like. Mm. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, um, Adam, you know, so when you're out there, can, can you kind of go through some of the things that interested you the most that you from the experiments that you conducted and what you felt really good about? Because eventually here getting near the end, we're going to get into, you know, what your next trick is. What, what's your next experience? But while you were out there, what are some of the things that that you did and some of the things that you felt, hey, OK, I, I really like this 
line of inquiry that, that I went into here? Well, I just, um, I went in with a real positive attitude and I just went in to have fun because you can freak yourself out, especially when you're alone, you know, and I just didn't want to go there. Um, And having aphantasia helped me a little bit because I didn't close my eyes at night and think of see freaky things in my mind. I I really have kind of a Zen like emptiness, which is really cool. So I I was able to just go to sleep and not think about anything. Um, but there was a couple nights, you know, Doug woke me up in the middle of the night. He's like, hey, go do a wood knock. And I'm like, it's 1130. He's like, yeah, go do a wood knock right now. So I'd have to, you know, get out of my nice warm sleeping bag, put my headlight on and go out and do some wood knocks. Um, the experiments I did were mostly gifting. Uh, and Doug and I did try to come up with some new traps. Um, we had Operation Ambush where we had set up the cameras to have all the IR lights off um, and then just flash them on when we heard a noise. So we were using human AI to figure out when that trigger moment was instead of computer AI. Um, Did not work very well um, for multiple reasons. One, the trigger time is too slow. Two, the IR lights weren't always set up right you know there's a lot of technical technical issues that we had but we, we had a lot of fun coming up with different things uh my sister called me and said have you tried pineapple yet and i'm like pineapple well she goes yeah who doesn't like pineapple i'm like okay i'll try pineapple Bigfoot so I, doesn't. <laughs> I, I, exactly we don't know because here's the deal you ready for this i cut pineapple up and hung it in slices like christmas tree ornaments all around the camp and then in the spirit of pineapple and islands, I decided to play Bob Marley on the boombox. <laughs> and so I'm hanging out in the middle of the woods all alone, playing Bob Marley with pineapple. And I, I played, you know, the SpongeBob theme song, of course. Um, but the next morning, when the Bigfoot researchers came, researchers came, the first thing they found was an impression in the grass where something had been sitting behind the teepee probably listening to the concert that I gave all night. Dude, are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. Oh man. They didn't take any of the pineapple, but they, they might've sat there and listened to Bob Marley with me. Oh, that is awesome. I'm going to love you. And I could just hear it now. There you go. Maybe they needed a pina colada. I just kind of set one out. So I'm always just throwing it out there. I'm always coming up with new and different things just to see, because we don't really know what's going to work. Uh, you know, Doug is like, no, they like classical music. Well, I'm like, come on, Doug. It's like, you know, who, how do you know they like classical music? Oh, I you just know? know. I just yeah, know, yeah. Adam. Played him some, some classical. So, so, so I'm all, <laughs> that was probably I played, more Chicago. Um, <laughs> I tried to keep it to uh, like less instrumentation. I did like, you know, pop songs with just guitar and voice or piano and voice. And I tried to keep them kind of mellow and moody and very melodic. Um, I think it was actually Doug and his son who said they heard Bigfoot singing with an operatic voice across the lake once. Uh, wow. So we, we kind of know that Bigfoot like music and they like to sing. I mean, they, you know, it, it's pretty crazy. But when you're out in the boundary waters in Minnesota and there's an, uh, a non-English speaking operatic voice coming from across the lake, what is that? Yeah, that that is really freaky, but that that really doesn't shock me. We're going to we're going to get into what happened at the cabin with Doug 
and the rest of those guys after that. Because uh, if you guys don't know this, I may have mentioned it to Nathan and the crew. After Adam got back from this trip, it wasn't very long before D Doug took him out to their cabin that you have to take a seaplane to get to. And mm. they had some experiences in that cabin. Uh, let me read this real quick. Or somebody read Antoine, can you read that for me? Just because I don't have my glasses on. Uh-oh. You want me to read no it? Mike. Yep. All right. So, Eventually, when there's enough yep, credibility structure for myself and a local paranormal team, and most importantly, the entities allow it to document some really incredible visuals. Yeah. That's pretty cool. They, you know, they do, people think that Bigfoot has to be allowing itself to be filmed, you know? Yeah. I, well, I mean, you know, that is one of the most interesting mysteries is what happened in 67, where there weren't a lot of people up in the cameras with, with 16 and eight millimeter and 16 millimeter film and they captured it. And now all of a sudden people have all these high tech 4k cameras and yet they can't capture it. So that is in itself is a, is a whole line of inquiry that's a mystery. But let me get to Deb and Antoine real quick because we got about 10 minutes left and we've got to get to Adam's experience at the cabin because it was Adam and like four or five other people there and that place was rocked, literally and figuratively. So Deb, go ahead, ma'am. Well, I was just going to chime in a little bit on what was said sure. earlier about Please. science and uh, the mm -hmm. paranormal. And I mm -hmm. do think initially, if you guys look at the history of what they were looking at, first they were kind of looking at mediums, but it was more in a debunking context, not so much trying to find any evidence, more like just trying to prove it wasn't real. Um, and it was, you know, not really done by scientists. And then science wanted to look at ESP. And frankly, most people that I know with ESP abilities um, don't get them through looking at cards with shapes on them. Um, so I think that was pretty limiting. And I think we then switched to the focus on remote viewing. But the whole lens of that was we want to make money. We want to profit off of this. We want to be protecting our nation and learning out, um, learning what our adversaries might know. So like that wasn't really a public program. So I think now if we look to places like SSE, um, which is the Scientific um, Society of Scientific Exploration, you do see science catching up. You just have to look in the right places. They're looking at, for instance, um, the biofield, which is what we used to call the aura, which mm -hmm. is visible when you evaluate the energy that emits from our bodies, um, we radiate energy. Some people call that thermal energy, um, but they've actually like have photos of photons coming out of our hands. So um, much like what Adam was saying earlier, we all have innate abilities or inabilities um, and they're vary from person to person. So I would recommend anyone who's out in the woods with Adam that maybe bringing once in a while people with different abilities um, to join him and explore and see what happens. I think, you know, the same thing should happen in places like Skinwalker Ranch. So, yeah, I think, it, you know, Adam, you already said what your um, um, skill was <laughs> and you've had so many innovative ideas. So I was going to ask what your gift might have been to help you out there, but you've kind of answered that already. Yeah, that is, that is a, uh, a very good gift to have when you're out there and your mind can sort of run away with you. Let's get Antoine in for a last one and then we're going to go to the cabin. 
Right. So I just wanted to touch briefly on the concept of the conscious mind, right? So we kind of went into it a little bit with, you know, when people finally realize something and then now it's a part of their consciousness, right? So it can be something as simple as you driving a brand new car off the lot and now you're seeing that car about three times a day everywhere you go versus, you know, getting into different beings, right? Where now you're in this realm where you're trying to find a certain being, whether it be Bigfoot or a different entity, and you're finding all these signs that someone who isn't in that realm of consciousness, consciousness may not, you know, see these things or may not believe it. And when you get into things like science and what can be explained versus what can't be explained, you know, I think it can also be tied to whether you're in that realm of consciousness or not. So just something I wanted to chime in on that. And I find that, you know, really interesting. And that's something that I'm a big believer in. It, it, this, Antoine, this, go ahead, sir. Antoine, Please. you're absolutely, absolutely right. Um, I wasn't in that realm of consciousness, so I didn't see all this stuff happening around me. I was just trying to get what, what's on camera. And when the other Sasquatch teams came up, they were like, it's over there. It's over there. I hear it. I'm sensing it. It's flanking us, you know, and they, they were like really sensing a lot more activity than I was. Um, so yes, different people have different, they're seeing different stuff all the time. In your example of that new car is when you buy that car, you see everyone driving it. And if you're looking I, for Bigfoot everywhere, you're going to find him everywhere. I, I want to say for Antoine, though, we can customize that Porsche and, and make it your own, like so that nobody else's looks like yours. So please, don't, you know, don't let that worry you, okay? Uh, if I were a Porsche owner, I would feel the exact same way. Um, anyway. <laughs> oh. uh, and by the way, I've been concentrating on trying to have hair like our colleague Donovan, and nothing has happened yet. Donovan has great hair. And I've been I've been focused on it, trying to bring it into my reality. I have had times in my life when I've seen I felt like I could feel or see an aura. And it was probably in the two years or so before I met you guys. I don't I I need to get back in into that space. I'm I'm not there right now where I could see it. Um Adam, please tell me about the cabin uh that Doug took you to. He's been going there along with some friends of his uh, yearly, I would say, for 30 years. So tell us about this remote cabin and what happened in the, the time that we've got left, please. Absolutely. Um, it wasn't quite yearly. He did take some time off. And so mm -hmm. this last trip, he hadn't been up there for a number of years. Mm -hmm. um, and he was super glad to be back. And I don't know, I don't know if it was COVID or whatever else slowed him down, but um Basically, uh, this was the first time he'd been up there in a while. He didn't think there was going to be ac any activity. And sure enough, night one, uh, he wakes me up around 1.30. And he's like, Adam, Adam, they're here. And I'm like, what? I'm like, I was not ready for anything. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, I can hear them. And I have I have a CPAP, if you guys know what that is. Mm -hmm. It's a breathing, sure. breathing machine. And it makes noise, right? So I've got that on while I'm sleeping and I, I have to go turn it off so I can hear things because obviously it kind of the white noise masks other noises. So he's hearing stuff while I'm not hearing it. And then he's like, turn your machine off. Get ready. They're coming. And I'm like, OK, so I'm listening silently, waiting for quiet footsteps and waiting for noise. And all of a sudden, 
something smash their hand or something on the side of the cabin and it's got metal siding so it's really loud and then oh, they yeah. raked it across and it sounded like they just like went across the rafters of the building and went that 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 and I'm like oh my god and luckily Chris was on the other side of the cabin and he heard it too because I'm like Doug Doug he just woke me up 15 minutes earlier I'm like Doug and he keeps falling back asleep he didn't hear it I'm like you just missed that. It was so insane. It was the loudest bang. And it was it was so high up on the building. The next morning we went out back and that side of the cabin is on stilts um, because it, to make it level, one side's on the ground and the other side's off the ground on stilts. Uh, and so to, when you're standing on the ground back there, you'd have to reach up a good 12, 13 feet to touch the roof line. Uh, and it did, it, it touched, it, it was all the way up at the top of the building. I heard it. And dude, uh, that is a giant dude. That yeah. is a giant. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, so a, a 12 foot person could easily reach 16 feet, you know, whatever. So how many yeah. people are in the cabin? There's like there was, six, eight, six. There was five on their trip. Five. Um, three on my side, two on the other side. There's two bedrooms that are on opposite sides of the cabin. Uh, both of them in the rear. So Chris was the one who heard it. And he said, yeah, it woke me up. I heard it. It was real. Because just like, you know, Nathan was saying, I was thinking this might be in my head, you know. But luckily, when you have another person hear it and wake up from it, you're like, yeah, that was real. That happened. And there was yeah, other activity while we was out there, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of it came that, that first night and the second night. And then we started putting the lights on because the cameras weren't able to um, we, we don't want, we didn't want to use IR and, uh, you know, Doug can get into this a little bit more. We're thinking that they can see in the IR range and that kind of scares them off. So we did leave the porch lights on the next few lights, which are just normal light bulbs, incandescent light bulbs. And so we were thinking maybe that won't scare them off. It's just like a night, you know, a porch light. So we did set up the cameras and just had the, the regular lights on. But then the, that the activity kind of died down until the day we left. And uh, Doug had a uh, Doug and Joe left one day early because they had a conference they had to be at. And then the, the three of us, Bud, Chris and I stayed behind and uh, stayed one extra day. Uh, and that last day when we were packing up, Doug, Doug said, yep, I knew it was going to happen. As soon as you pack up your bags and you bring your luggage to the dock, getting ready for the seaplane to come pick you up. They know you're checking out of the hotel. They know you're leaving, you know, and they, they come, they came around and we heard one of the, the biggest wood knocks in ever. And we just didn't have it recorded because we were just waiting for the plane. We weren't thinking anything was going to happen, you know, and uh, Chris and Bud literally got hit in the chest with the sonic, you know, the, the impact. Oh, the imp just yeah. a whack. Yeah. Yeah, they felt it. And both of them both of them looked at each other and said, did you feel that? They didn't say, did you hear that? Did you feel that, right? And I was probably another 30 yards away. I was down at the end of the dock. And I heard a knock from across the lake answering that knock in response. So it just brings up all sorts of questions. Are these guys walking around with sticks? Can they just answer a knock that quickly? Or is it something they're doing with their vocal cords? Or is it some, you know, telepathic thing they're doing? We don't know. I mean, wood knocks might not be wood knocks. Wood knocks might be something else. Because the other, you know, they, 
they were able to respond to that wood knock almost instantaneously from across the lake. And I mean, it, it would take you a couple minutes to find a good stick, right? You would so, have to either be walking with a stick or there's another modus operandi of them making yeah. that sound, which I've never, I don't think I've ever heard that before. That's really interesting. Yeah. So, it just kind of opened our eyes to a new possibility. Um, we're, th- I'm, I'm going to start experimenting with, uh, cause I do sound. That's kind of one of my, one of the things I work on and I'm going to try to build a contraption that can make a very, like almost an explosive audio sound, you know, like a cannon, a sonic mm-hmm. cannon kind of thing and see if I can make it sound like a wood knock. Ooh, man. See, you've got a lot of good, eye- and you're a musician too, right? Yeah. Yeah. What do you play? Uh, I, I, I compose and I sing, uh, but I do play oh. keyboard a little bit. Wow. You compose too? That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. There's so many. Yeah. We got to get him together with Matt Pruitt. There's just so many musicians in the space. It's amazing. We were talking Creative about that people. with Matt. I think we just keep our minds open to possibilities a lot more than, you know, like my dad's a stockbroker and he won't listen to anything. Couldn't care. You know, for yeah. years I've been like, UFOs are real, dad. Seriously. I'm not kidding. And now finally the government's like, yep, UFOs are real. So, oh, I knew it all along. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Yeah. All right. Um, it's uh, time to uh, say goodbye for this time. Are you going to head out on another investigation maybe next year? We've got our book. We've got our tickets booked for Snellgrove again already. We've got the, mm-hmm. the cabin reserved. And I am going to try to make it to another location as well, uh, very remotely. And I might go there alone, or I, hopefully I'll have somebody else with me. But um, it's it's in on a Native American land, mm-hmm. and uh, it is a property that they've abandoned because it's been attacked so many times. Wow, this is yeah. just like Sibylla Irwin. Wow, I love that you're doing that. By the way, the pararescue guy, our friend from, thank you, Mick. I appreciate it, brother. I'm sorry we can't get it all in. We're about out of time. But uh, every time uh, you take it, and, and Mick is from England, and he is, you know, it is, what time is it there right now, Nathan? Nine, five. It is 2 o'clock in the morning. Thank you very much, Mick, for joining us. I always appreciate you, brother. Um, what I was going to ask you, um, uh, man, I've had a brain dump now. Let me see if I can find my way back to her heart. Um <laughs> No, you were talking about our trips. friend is from uh, Jacobson, Minnesota. That's where it is. Uh, that that forest. I don't know if you're familiar with Jacobson, Minnesota. Um, Not off the top he, of my head, but the we have a lot of we the, have a lot of woods here. Yeah, let me. Uh, the S- Savannah Forest. So S A V A N A. So anyway, that's where he is. But I I don't know. I got to find out how much activity he's having. I think he's having more than what he wants to tell me because he doesn't know who he wants coming down there to his property. But those footprints he showed us were ginormous. And the trackway was very much kind of one foot in front of the other way, the way that the Bigfoots, it's not sort of like these bilateral tracks. It's really interesting the way they walk. Um, so we'll start with the uh, cabbie buys. We're going to start with Deb. So that Antoine knows the drill, but go ahead, Debs. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming and talking to us. I'm excited to hear more about your sound experiments. And I mentioned in the chat, you might want to try tuning forks because that seems to be what a lot of people are using to get that vibration and that wave out there. Um, So hopefully you'll come back and tell us about successes you have with that in the future and the other 
innovative things you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to get to you where people can find when we get to me, but Antoine, for our guests, please. Well, I wouldn't start off by saying thank you, Adam, for giving this insight and dropping all of this knowledge on your experiences and the things that you've seen. Um, I think this has opened up some doors for thought for myself and maybe for the listeners out there. Um, and I think this was great. Thanks, Antoine. Money, Nathan. Yeah, 100%. I mean, Adam, it's uh, inspiring to me that you're willing to go out there with the enthusiasm that you have to tackle this mystery. Not a lot of people have the courage to do that or the technical know-how on how they might go about trying to capture this information. And I just think it's incredible that you're you're willing to go and try and do that on behalf of the rest of us. I mean, it would be world changing, right, if you were able to get some of that information captured and confirmed. Uh, so I do wish you all the best. And I look forward to you know hearing about your future experiments. Sounds like you got some really cool ideas that are that are in the hopper there. So I, I have no doubt we'll get some interesting stuff in the future. Thanks, Nathan. Um, so. Adam, first of all, we got someone in the chat, Glitter Galaxy. You said you had an encounter near native land in New York. Um, I'd like to invite you, Glitter Galaxy, to come back on another episode of Cab and kind of detail for us uh, what what happened to you. So come in this this chat here. Give us an idea. I'm a native New Yorker myself. I'm from Westchester. And I'd love to hear about your encounter, if it is uh, Bigfoot or... um, if it's UFOs, we would love to hear about it. So thank you for joining us. Uh, thanks, Adam, from Nicholas as well, our our uh, loyal cabbie uh, buddy and fan Nicholas. here. And yeah, come back and see us, Glitter Galaxy, and let us know what went down. Uh, Adam, if you would, before I say my thank you and goodbye, would you please detail where people can find your work if, uh, in fact, it's uh, publicly available at this point? Um, I haven't set anything up yet, believe it or not. I'm kind of new to all of this. Uh, as the sign says back here, Sasquatch Legend to Meet Science 2. Um, that should be the new film that's coming out. Pitch that. Um, I'll, hopefully I'll be a big part of that. And uh, you'll be able to see some of the things we did this summer and next spring maybe there in the, in the film. Um, but thanks, guys, for having me on. It's really awesome to meet uh, intelligent, wonderful people like yourselves that are out there doing the same thing I'm doing, just looking for the truth. Um, I want to say again, uh, something that we said on the episode when we had Doug Adam is that it takes an enormous amount of courage to do what you do. I know you had planned on having someone else up there with you. They backed out and you continued and you went anyway and, and got the documented evidence. Um, the amount of work that it takes to haul that stuff up there to set up to spend 30 days to break it all down and to bring it back home uh, with only one person to help you to do that is extraordinary and it's uh, remarkable. And so thank you so much for having the courage and the conviction to do that. Legend meets science too. Uh, We'll have that. I'll have something about that in the show notes up there tomorrow. So when you go on pod, you'll see Nathan's notes. And I'll also add from legend meets science too which is uh, Doug Hychek's movie, the 20th anniversary. Uh, He hit his Kickstarter goal. That movie will be made. And Adam's work will be profiled 
Um, oh, it was Bigfoot, by the way. Uh, Glitter Galaxy said that happened in New York on tribal land. So, yes, please come back uh, next time. Check us out. And uh, we would love to hear about what happened, uh, what you experienced. Uh, and and if, you know, we'll just bring you on the show if that's what we need to do. Uh, so, so, yeah, Adam's work will be profiled in that movie. Uh, and Adam, thank you so much for taking your time, not only to do all this, your time, your dime, your blood and sweat to, to set all that up, but also for joining us. Namaste. Uh, we appreciate you and, uh, we'll have you on again. So thank you so much. Yes, sir. So for Adam, for Antoine, for Nathan and for, uh, Debs, this is DJ saying peace out. One love. We'll see you down the road. And as always, we're wondering what's up around the bend.